You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. try this again. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. So, of course, by now, uh, from my opening announcement, you know that I was out sick last week. I was in the hospital, and uh, I went to the hospital because I, um, frankly, I suddenly noticed that uh, my vision was going out in my right eye, and then my hearing went out in my right ear all of a sudden, and uh, I don't know about you, but that, like, that kind of worried me. And so I did what any normal person does when they want to give themselves the best chance at getting better. Is that better? All right. I gave myself the best chance of getting better as I, uh, I went on to WebMD <laughs> and tried to figure out it out on my own, and then I waited two more days. <laughs> Uh, But once I finally checked myself into the emergency room at Denver Health, uh, given my WebMD self-diagnosis, I knew I was going to probably be there a while. So I was prepared. I had an extension cord uh, to make sure my iPad was constantly charged. I had a change of clothes. I had all my my toiletries and If I was going to have to be in the hospital for a while, I just felt like I had to do it in style. However, uh, despite all my uh, precious belongings being literally surrounded uh, on my bed, as it turns out, I still uh, really hated being in the hospital. And I think that's because, I mean, there's probably a lot of reasons, but the biggest one is because once I had watched all the real housewives of New Jersey that I could stomach, um, I I would eventually find myself alone with my thoughts. I mean, if there are two places in the world where you cannot escape yourself, then they have to be the hospital or the prison prison. And so there I was, left with my thoughts. And I don't know about you, but for me, that can get really uncomfortable. But if there's anything I've learned from living my life in the shadow of the cross of Jesus, it's that when I get uncomfortable, that's when I need to start paying attention. That's when things get interesting. That's when God speaks when the comforts of our lives stop working and we are confronted by the reality that lives between our ears. And so as I spent some alone time with my thoughts, it came to me, I mean, just how much suffering in my life is caused by my inability to get what's in here out there. So much of the time I experience my mind, maybe you're this way, like sort of like a prison. It holds my thoughts, my inner thoughts, captive. Like, I don't just say what's on my heart openly and freely. It takes a lot of work, a lot of brutal anguish for me to get out 
get out what's in here and get it out there. I mean, even when it's something that I, that I really want to share, it takes a lot to get me there. Like, I noticed on Saturday morning that my vision was going, and I didn't tell my partner Brian until Sunday night. That was something I really wanted to tell him. Yet it took me a lot of grief between Sunday morning, I mean Saturday morning and Sunday evening to get there. But our gospel for today says that Christ has come so that our inner thoughts will be revealed. And so that the sword of God's grace will pierce our own soul too. Today is the Feast of Candlemas. It's, I, I, I've loved this feast all my life, I say, but I really have only known about it for eight years. But it's a, it's a celebration. Uh, it's a celebration precisely that the one who pierces our souls has come. That with the birth, birth of Christ, God began a new movement in the world of getting what's in here out there, of breaking down the wall between inside and outside, a movement that draws us to know, to really know what's in our own hearts and heads, and to share that with those that we find around us. The good news of Candlemas is that we don't have to hide anymore, that when the secrets of our hearts get revealed, each one, each secret that gets revealed becomes a new ray of light in the shadows. But being seen in our fullness, letting the inside get outside, that's the opposite of purity. Because purity is all about keeping things contained and bottled up. And in a, actually a really literal sense, um, across cultures and all recorded history, purity codes, they crop up in every religion and every legal system. And, and what they share at their core is a desire to keep things in their place. Starting usually with bodily fluids. Like saliva is perfectly pure if it stays where it's supposed to, but once it gets outside, it's gross and disgusting. It's impure. I learned that pretty quickly when I think I was about four years old, and we must, my mom and I must have been in a uh, supermarket parking lot. And I had seen it in movies, so I just let out a big spit into the parking lot. And she just grabbed me, looked in my face, and shook me and said, You can't do that. That's disgusting. People will think you're a redneck. To me, it was just something cool I could do with my body. But for her, and frankly for me now, because I've fallen hook, line, and sinker into the same system, uh, it was impure. Because you keep what belongs inside, inside. You don't let it get outside. And purity codes like these, they wouldn't be a big deal if they stayed limited to saliva and washing your hands, simple things like that, but they don't. Purity codes have a way of working their way into every 
every facet of our lives until we are building actual walls to keep the impure people out. And people like Smollett get beat in the street for being dirty faggots. But in today's gospel, the words of Simeon and the witness of Anna reveal that Jesus has come to destroy our notions of purity. He will reveal what is hidden, all that we try and keep separate, even down to the very inner thoughts hidden deep within us. The good news of today's gospel is that God doesn't come to us through our attempts at purity and following the rules, but that God comes to us in the midst of our brokenness and our vulnerability shared, taken from in here and brought out there. Which is why, though I, I have simultaneously loved Candlemas, I've also been frustrated with it because the Feast of uh, Candlemas is also called the Feast of the Purification of Mary. Because the reason the Holy Family went to the temple that day was for a ritual bath that a mother and infant would undergo to make them pure from childbirth. Um, because blood, blood, supposed to say inside, gets outside. And my problem with that is that Mary and Jesus in this gospel, they go through with it. They have the purification ritual. And like, if Jesus came to destroy our notions of purity and mixing outside with inside, why didn't he stand up in his swaddling clothes and start telling the high priests off that there was no reason for his mother to have to be purified in the first place? Or why didn't Mary stand up and say the same thing? That women are not impure and that a system built on the very notion of blood leaving your body is obviously going to impact at least 50% of the population negatively. So I had a problem with this story. Why do they go through with it? But then I noticed that today's gospel doesn't really have anything to do with that ritual, frankly. Sure, it says that they went through it, but it's more of a footnote. The real focus of this story isn't the ritual itself. The temple high priests say nothing. The ritual itself is not described. Instead, the stars of the Candlemas story are these two badass older members of the temple, Anna and Simeon. They're not priests. They're the ones, you know these people, they're the ones that are always at church and they always bring food to the potluck. Mm-hmm. And so when Simeon and Anna see Jesus, the usual routine is interrupted. Sam, Simeon and Anna have been waiting their whole lives for the Messiah, a strong king sent by God to restore honor and purity to their country. But when Jesus enters, when this poor, snotty-nosed, crying, smelly baby enters the purity of the temple, everything changes. They have an epiphany. Maybe God's more like that baby right there than any of our rules, any of our rituals, or 
the ways that we keep what's in here hidden and trapped in here. And so Simeon, he does what any good church man will do. He bursts into song. I think it's Pastor Nadia who says that the gospel of Luke is like a Broadway musical. Like people are constantly bursting into song. There's Mary with the Magnificat, and then we have Simeon today. But Simeon's song, it it overturns all the values that have guided their lives and the people around them up to this point. He sings that peace has come right now, that God's grace and salvation has come now, today. They don't have to wait. They can rest in God's love today. And he doesn't say that salvation has come only if they believe or only if they continue performing the temple rituals or if, you know, they're married or not married, or if they're gay, or only if they stop going to that crazy house for all sinners and saints and return to a real Bible-believing church. No, Simeon says that salvation has come today, period, full stop. And he also says this crazy thing about Jesus being the one who will Reveal our hidden thoughts, our inner thoughts. Because Jesus is the one who gives us strength to share what's in here with everyone else out there. That we are not alone. That we no longer have to hide. That we get to see what life is like when we know that the wall has been broken down between inside and outside. Um, I got a taste of this sense of peace from uh, when what is inside gets outside a few years ago. Um, Right after I started here at House for All, uh, my granddad uh, was dying. And my granddad was, he helped me, he helped raise me. He was only about 15 years older than my mother. Uh, Yeah, you can do the math. and uh, for that reason, he was super involved in my life until, until I came out. Uh, he, he and my grandmother were, in a way, maybe like what Anna and Simeon were like before today's story. They were the pillars of the church. They're the ones who made all the ritual work. They uh, kept that purity code thing going. And so when I came out, I quietly backed away from my grandfather. And though he knew that I had come out, I knew that he disapproved, and so we never talked about it. And so when he was coming to the end of his life, um, I was already with my partner, Brian, and I needed Brian by my side. But I had never talked to my fundamentalist granddad about Brian or about my sexuality. I'd never gotten what was in here out there. And I was really racked with guilt and a whole other set of emotions driving to Memphis. In fact, frankly, I, my prayer at that time was that he would already be dead when I got there so that I wouldn't have to have that encounter with him. But when I got there, uh, I had to. I had this overwhelming sense of what is in here needed to get out there. And so I walked into his hospital room 
and Brian held my hand, and we walked up to the bed, and my granddad just looked up at me with the biggest smile on his face and just said my name. And then he looked at Brian and said, Hi, I'm glad you're here. In that moment, I promised you that the words that came to me were the words of Simeon. Now, Lord, let your servant depart in peace. Your word has been fulfilled, for our eyes have seen your salvation, which you have given to all people, a light that brings light to the whole world. And I think those words came to me because in that moment, what was inside was now outside. May it be so. Amen. You have been listening to the Sermon Podcast for House for All Sinners and Saints. If you like what you've been hearing and would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, just go to our website, www.houseforall.org, and click on Give.